evolutionists beginning to talk about, yeah, this planet was covered with water in the past, and now they are also being drugged, kicking and screaming, to the idea that this planet did suffer a worldwide catastrophe. Now, there's all sorts of trilobites in the fossil record. There's about 46 families of extinct, extinct trilobites that have been found. But Eric, these trilobites have an eye anatomy that is incredible. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Well, I know you want to be knowledgeable about God's Word and God's world. After all, we're commanded to study the text and we're commanded to subdue the earth. But most education programs today are claiming nature has no creator, no designer, and no plan. A National Geographic documentary on YouTube about Earth's oceans has five and a half million views in just one year, and it only took 30 seconds for them to start their propaganda about evolution in the oceans. Now, Earth's oceans are truly magnificent, no doubt about it, and they can also be a little bit scary. Today, I have someone who's gonna help us understand Earth's oceans from God's perspective so that we can be equipped with answers that bring glory to the Creator. Hey, if you're new to the Creation Today Show, I'm your host, Eric Hovind, and we are on a mission to disciple the world one person at a time, and right now, that is you. Our goal is to turn stumbling blocks that keep people from seeing Jesus as their creator and savior into stepping stones on their journey to know the truth. To all of our uh, social media platforms out there, thank you guys, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Rumble, everybody else. And to our podcast audience, thank you for peeking into the Creation Today show and to our community for this conversation. We're just a group of people. We get together every Wednesday at noon. And by the way, welcome to all of you, the Marks that are on here. Our Garys, we've got a couple of Garys. Diana, oh, good to see you. Alfred, good to have you on here. Andrew, great to have you on here. Thomas, good to see you. And, and our whole our community gathers once a week so that we can have these discipleship conversations and be all that God has called us to be. We'd love for you to join our little community. Come on over to creationtoday.org so that you and I can do more together than we can alone. Hey partners, I'm looking forward to a great conversation. It is so good to see you guys on here. I love these, these the questions, the responses, the thought-provoking comments that you guys make. I really do enjoy that. We're in for a treat today, and I do look forward to hearing your thoughts and your questions about Earth's oceans. Our guest today received his bachelor's degree in biology from Western State College in Colorado back in 1978. Oh my goodness, that is the year I was born. Wow. He attended graduate school at the University of Northern Colorado. He had obtained a master's degree in zoology. He is currently a writer, researcher, publisher, and speaker for the Institute for Creation Research. He is the author of many, many books, including... The Fossil Record, up, uh, Upending Nature's History, I'm pretty sure, Nature's History of Life, Parks Across America, uh, Viewing God's Wonders Through the Creationist Lens, uh, uh, The Human Body and Intelligent Design, no doubt about it, it's incredible. And the book we're going to discuss today, uh, it's the new Oceans book. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome our guest, Dr. Frank Sherwin. Dr. Sherwin, welcome back to the Creation Today Show, sir. 
Well, Eric, thank you so very much. It's always a privilege having spent nine years in Pensacola. It's good to be back, so to speak. I, I love you. I love your family. I love your dedication. You are a gifted researcher, a gifted writer. And uh, that's to not only have the scientific ability, but the communication ability as well, so you can glorify God even better. I just love that. So thank you for using your life for the glory of God. What, uh, what are you guys up to at ICR uh, these days? What's, what's happening around your neck of the woods over there in Dallas? Well, in Dallas, we're doing a lot of work, uh, laboratory work, when it comes to the uh, blind cavefish, Mexican tetra cavefish. We're looking at that from a creation science perspective and not the millions of years of slow, gradual uh, evolutionary processes. And so uh, stay tuned for that as we continue to do the work, uh, the, the research. Uh, we have a series of uh, uh, tetra uh, uh, aquariums. In, and so you, when you come to visit the Discovery Center in Dallas, you can stop by and see the research that we're doing. And of course, we're doing a lot of seminar presentations here in 2024 and doing a lot of writing, icr.org. You can check out our articles there. And so we are just very, very excited. The, the late founder of the Institute for Creation Research, Henry Morris, who went to be the Lord in 2006, liked to say that where you came from is at least as important as to where you're going. And I th certainly think that's true. And so we, uh, we're riding on the shoulders of Henry Morris, and we're proclaiming the truth of creation. I love it that right there at the Discovery Center, you guys are letting people look right at the research as you're doing it, watching the scientists work. What a cool place to go see creation science in action. What an yeah. amazing experience that we, is. We have an animatronic dinosaur, a full a life-size Animatron the dinosaur uh, T Rex. We have a section on uh, uh, the uh, what is a Grand Canyon. We have a section on Mount St Helens. And so, when you folks in Pensacola come to visit us at the Discovery Center, we'll go out for lunch, and uh, I'll pray, and you pay. <laughs> hey, that's a deal. You've earned it, buddy. You've earned that, no doubt about it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, also, I'm really excited before we hit uh, Earth's Oceans and your book there. I'm really excited. You guys are also doing some great research with Dr. Brian Thomas on dinosaur soft tissues. That is I, like this is game changing research here that's going on. You know, it is quite amazing, Eric. There is an um, evolutionary atheist up in the Pacific Northwest about 15 or 20 years ago when he was first con confronted with the fact of soft dinosaur tissue. He said this will either be nothing or it will overturn paleontology as we know it. And so what the evolutionary community has done, unfortunately, is kind of bury these discoveries, uh, so to speak, but they keep showing up now. And not only soft dinosaur tissue, as significant as that is, but now we're finding soft tissue of a multitude of different kinds of animals found in the sedimentary rock layers that supposedly were laid down over 600 million years. Uh, we don't believe that for a second. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so soft tissue in all kinds of animals, in all the different layers, that... You're right. This upends all paleontology and it lends credence to exactly what we would have expected as biblical creationists. Genesis chapter six, seven and eight, man, there was a worldwide flood that destroyed all life on earth, except that which was on the ark. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, 
I, I think the Bible's got it right. We got something really cool going on here. <laughs> um, as we jump in, for those of you watching, I would love to give away a copy or a couple copies of your new Oceans book. I've gone through it. It is fantastic material. Uh, and if you want to be entered to win, if you're here with me, uh, I needed some creation today partners to participate. If you're on social media, you can just comment right there on the video on social media. If you want to be entered to win a copy of Frank Sherwin's, Dr. Frank Sherwin's new Oceans book, all you got to do. Type in your favorite ocean animal in the chat, and the ladies right over there in the office are going to randomly select a couple different winners on different platforms, and we'll announce that at the half-hour mark. So here in just a few minutes, in about 20 minutes, I'll let you know who the winners are for that book. All you got to do is put in your favorite animal in the chat. Dr. Sherwin, while they are typing away the orca or the cute dolphin or the, I hope nobody says jellyfish. Hey, ladies, if they say jellyfish, they're out. Okay, no jellyfish. <laughs> um, oh, you, you had to swim here with the jellyfish for years, didn't you? You remember uh, I every did. August. I have some oh. interesting stories about that. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, well, I don't know if you're going to get into any of them now, but take us on a journey into, into God's oceans. We see so many places where they're not giving glory to God for the oceans. They're saying the oceans formed billions of years ago. And I almost thought like, like if you looked at the oceans through the different views, through the biblical view or through an evolutionary no God view, you know, what would be some of the differences? Like what would some of the conclusions you'd come to? How would you see things? I mean, the Bible, it's clear to me. The theistic evolution, like God using evolution doesn't work because the Bible is completely against the entire timeline of the evolution view, even starting with the ocean, starting with water, it not being here. God says water was here first. Evolution says water came later. But take us on a journey into God's oceans and how they give glory to God. We're kind of excited to learn about this. Well, Eric, it's always good to start in the beginning. <laughs> and so we find uh, that the evolutionary naturalist, and I just have to compare and contrast the two competing worldviews. One worldview says, in the beginning, nothing. The other worldview says, in the beginning, God. So we believe God was there in the beginning. And in verse 2 of chapter 1 of the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, God tells us very clearly the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. So we understand by a simple reading of God's Word that the waters were there on the earth in the beginning. Now, the evolutionary naturalist, just to compare and contrast these two worldviews, says no to God's Word, and therefore they have to say, that the origin of the oceans occurred naturalistically. And that gets them in hot water, so to speak. Because the, <laughs> yeah. the problem is, where did the water come from? Now, for, for decades, they used to suggest that there was uh, interstellar comets that brought in a lot of water through the alleged, the supposed millions and millions of years. I call them cosmic water balloons. And they came and they struck the earth over the millions of years. But it turns out, even with the evolutionary timeline, you just don't have that a number of comets with all of that water striking the earth. They've done some research. It simply doesn't work. Well, undaunted, some evolutionists are saying that water came from a supernova explosion in the unknown uh, regions of the universe an unknown time ago. And I don't know how a supernova explosion would produce water on planet Earth, but that has fallen out of favor. So there's lots of ideas, secular ideas, and, and I'm not criticizing them. If they, dis if they dispute the Bible, then they have to come up with naturalistic uh, ideas. 
However, none of those ideas work. And this is what's interesting, Eric. Within the past, I would say about 15 years, evolutionists, and I salute them, are saying it looks like water was here all the time. And so, in the beginning, just like the Bible the says. And so although they still are locked into the evolutionary worldview, they are kicking and screaming towards a biblical worldview that says, quite simply, that water was here in the beginning. And now, again, I, I applaud the evolutionists for saying, well, it looks like there was water all the time here on Earth. Now, that also flies in the face of this idea when I was growing up, uh, in, in the Chicagoland area, when I was in public school, I remember seeing these movies on these uh, rickety old uh, uh, projectors, film projectors, and it started off with a primal earth that was red hot and sterile and no water. And so you couldn't get more opposite in these opposing worldviews. Evolution says earth started off super hot, uh, no water, sterile. The Bible, again, doesn't change. The Spirit of God across the face of the water just thousands of years ago. And so that worldview, you know, who changed? Well, it was the evolutionists who changed, and they have come, as I say, screaming and kicking towards a more biblical idea without ever acknowledging God. But they are looking at the scientific evidence and coming to a quote-unquote biblical conclusion. That's exciting. I love the fact that for those of us getting discipled right now, that we're trying to learn more about God's word and God's world so that we can be who God called us to be, we can now put that, I don't know if you'd call it a feather in a cap or a bullet in a gun, but we've got that ammo now. Guys, the very existence of Earth's oceans, the very existence of oceans is a biblical worldview, starts with a biblical worldview. That I mean, What a great thought that there's no explanation. It, God's word is the one that gives us the right explanation. Okay, very cool. All right. Well, so anyway, the earth is uh, the oceans as we see it now, Eric, cover about 73% of the earth's surface. And the average depth of the ocean is two and a half miles. So there is a lot of water there. And uh, I, I love to scuba dive. Uh, last time I scuba dived was off the coast of Pensacola. Uh, we went down about 55 feet to a wreck of a tugboat. And so there was redfish there, and it was a it was a fascinating time. But uh, even just down fifty feet, you can feel your mask pushing against the face, and there's pressure on the chest, and all that. And uh, it, it's kind of a spooky environment. But you know, we we uh, it, it's just fabulous to get down there and and be among God's uh, creatures and all. But certainly, with seventy three percent of the surface of the Earth covered with water, we would find most of the biota that is living creatures on the Earth are not surprisingly found in the oceans, both invertebrates and vertebrates. And they all shout creation from the massive blue whale all the way down to viruses that are currently uh, infecting bacteria in the oceans. And I might uh, spend a few minutes on that later on, but they're called bacteriophages. And now oceanographers are finding out these tiny viruses that we've heard so much about with COVID are very, very critical for destroying the bacteria that would otherwise overwhelm the ocean. That doesn't happen because every 24 hours, most of those bacteria are killed by the viruses. If you can see God's hand in balancing the ecosystems of the ocean. What an incredible balance. And just thinking about the two and a half miles, I'm going, okay, Earth's diameter, 8,000 miles, 
When you think about 8,000 compared to an average depth of two and a half miles, that's a real thin layer from what for, for, compared to the size of the Earth. This, this world really is very, very delicately balanced, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we find, not surprisingly, that the oceans are what we call in science a heat sink. They absorb uh, both, uh, they absorb uh, the thermal energy, the heat, in order to modify the planet's uh, 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 temperature to make it, as Goldilocks says, just right. Now, we do have very cold areas and very hot areas, but it's the heat sink of the oceans that keeps everything balanced. And so when we look at that, we also see evidence for creation. I, I'm still shocked at how many people would make fun of what you just said. Say, oh, that's not, you know, it, it just it just happened that way. They make fun of the incredible delicacy and the balance. And, and then they'll even make fun of, oh, well, it should be done this way. They're trying to say how it should be done or the way it should work if there was a good designer. And I'm like, how many oceans and ecosystems like this have you created in your life? This is ridiculous. Come on, give glory to whom glory is due. Absolutely. So, yeah, we find it. So uh, the, the life in the oceans is quite amazing. One of my favorite animals, unfortunately, is extinct, and that's the trilobite. And maybe some of your viewers have heard of the trilobite. It's an invertebrate. It's also an arthropod. Arthropods are uh, creatures that have paired jointed appendages. They have a chitinous exoskeleton, and they are extremely, extremely complex. Now, there's all sorts of trilobites in the fossil record big ones and small ones, and they're different variations. Uh, Dr. Gary Parker, I think there's a, said that there's about 46 families of extinct, extinct trilobites have been found. But Eric, these trilobites have an eye anatomy that is incredible. The science, uh, the physics of figuring out how the trilobite could see through the water-air interface was only put together a number of decades ago, but it shows that the trilobite the, the omatidia, which are the, the eye facets, are produced in, in, and put together in such a way that it makes the trilobite, we pretty, are pretty sure, being a very, very uh, 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 well-designed creature when it comes to the eye anatomy. And uh, nothing is left to chance when you look at something like an omatidia. I used to teach about omatidia to my zoology students, and the first time we find it, they're very, very complex. But the point is that trilobites have always been trilobites. Trilobites did not evolve from some other creature. They're ocean bottom dwelling creatures. They were the ones that were first buried during the Genesis flood approximately 4,500 years ago. Evolutionists corrupt that by saying, oh no, trilobites were the first creatures to evolve. But no, they, they could not possibly evolve because of their overwhelming complexity and the fact that they don't have any evolutionary relatives that have ever been found. You've heard about, of course, the Cambrian explosion. And the Cambrian explosion documents the sudden uh, appearance of all of these creatures uh, in the some of the lowest layers of sediments in the geologic column that we believe were laid down by the Genesis flood about 4,500 years ago. So there is an authority on trilobites named Niles Eldridge out of the prestigious American Museum of Natural History in New York. Niles Eldridge is not a creationist by any you know, way of thinking about it. He is a dyed-in-the-wall Marxist, Leninist, atheist, evolutionist. And Niles Eldridge was good buddies with the late Steve Gould. Niles Eldridge wrote not one, 
but two books on trilobites. Uh, excuse me, uh, scratch that. He wrote two books on creation evolution. But during his two books that he wrote on creation evolution, he never gave any facts of real vertical, what we call macro evolution. And I was always kind of amused by that because here we have two books written by Niles Eldridge, who is a vehement anti-creationist. He is the world's authority on trilobites. Nobody on this planet knows more about trilobites than Niles Eldridge. And all he had to do, Eric, was simply list in his two books facts, evolutionary facts. By that, I mean macro evolution of trilobites. But he never did because trilobites have always been trilobites. Wow. And, and now you say these are totally extinct. The trilobites are extinct. As far as we know, it's, it's hard to paint with too broad of a brush because, you know, there could be something somewhere, all that. But we're 99% sure trilobites are extinct. But wouldn't it be neat if they found living trilobites that allegedly have been extinct for 600 million years? Well, see, and that, that would be amazing. But I guess to me, Dr. Sherman, that goes back to the very concept that evolution is driven by, you know, survival of the fittest, the strongest survive. First of all, you said this is, they say, one of the very first things to evolve, yet it's got one of the most complex eyes. And if survival of the fittest is true, and it had one of the best eyes in nature, why would that go extinct? Maybe he just didn't see it coming. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, Marlissa says it would really be neat to find some of these uh, trilobites. Uh, and, you know, uh, it, it probably never will, but boy, are they in incredibly complex creatures and we and just finding the fossils of them and we can learn so much about the fossils because the fossils are so well preserved it's almost like eric they were buried suddenly and catastrophically due to something like um uh, a flood a flood could do flood. something like that <laughs> but yeah i i want to say something to john he said that uh niles eldridge is part of the punctuating equilibria idea and, and some of us heard about that that idea came out the year you were born, Eric, 1978, punctuated equilibrium, wow. maybe a couple of years earlier, uh, Niles Eldridge and Steve Gould. And uh, so it's we don't hear too much about it, but um, it's it's a sudden evolutionary process, and I won't go into that, but uh, John made a good point. Now, where would we find fossils of these trilobites today? Like, is this something that we could go fossil hunting and discover some of these things? Absolutely. Um, back in the Let's see, about the uh, early 80s, I went to Grand Canyon, and we went down to the base of Grand Canyon. We went down Bright Angel Trail, which is one mile down, a series of switchbacks, down to the bottom where Colorado River is, and we were looking at some of the low sedimentary rock layers down there, and we were finding very small trilobite fossils. So we can say pretty much they're ubiquitous. We, we find them all over the world. They're in the oh, fossil wow. record, and uh, very, very complex creatures. All right, what else about God's oceans makes you go, this screams the glory of God. It does. It is not an evolutionary blind chance, random process uh, result. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do. You, you mentioned uh, some of these invertebrates. And so I, I like to mention the octopus. The octopus is unbelievably uh, sophisticated and complex. They are so complex that some evolutionists are saying, and they say it with a straight face, so I guess they're serious, that the octopus must have come from outer space, from an alien civilization, on comets that, of course, were frozen. So the octopus eggs were, were frozen on these comets 
entering the primal Earth's atmosphere, striking the uh, uh, the oceans of the primal Earth, and that's how the uh, octopus came about. Being seated. you're serious. I'm you're serious, serious. Is what they're saying. Yeah, and and so you know that's. <laughs> I, I mean, I I'm sorry for laughing at that, but I'm like. Yeah. That's their conclusion is that's a, a conclusion. comet brought the octopus to Earth. Yeah, some of them. Now, I don't want to paint with too broad. broad right, I get yeah. it. But, you know, this is something that some of the evolution, and they printed in paper, in a science paper, and I have the science paper at ICR. But all that aside, we're looking at the octopus and, and seeing that it is an amazing creature uh, that, you know, it has no bones or anything else. And yet it, it, it seems to learn very quickly. They only live for about three years. The female always outlives the male. They uh, were keeping octopus in these uh, large tanks, aquariums. And before they knew how smart octopuses were and hungry they were, these researchers would leave the laboratory with the octopus in the tanks, turn off the lights and leave for the, the night. And these octopus would get out of their tank, slither across the floor, and they're able to survive doing it, not for a long time, crawl up into uh, other tanks that have invertebrates like clams and, and snails and all that, and have a smorgasbord. Just eat all of those creatures and then go back to their original tank. These researchers would come back in the morning and find the tank of invertebrates that are just empty shells. And the octopus with eye anatomy that looks very like a person's eye anatomy is staring at the researcher going, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then these octopuses uh, love to play with lights. And so they would tear up the fluorescent lights and uh, they would also open up uh, valves and cause flooding through offices and all, just because they are so smart and so curious. And uh, these are invertebrates. These are animals that supposedly, according to evolution, are not very quick, not very smart, because after all, they're invertebrates. Well, octopus are very, very smart. They're at least as smart as a bumblebee. And yes, bees are very smart. Bees like to play soccer, not because they would get some kind of a but because younger bees like to play soccer. Now, some of you people watching are saying, that's ridiculous, you're just a crazy creationist. All I can say is go to the ultimate source of all information, YouTube, and type <laughs> in bees and soccer and prepare to be amazed. But it's the same situation with the octopus. The octopus is a very smart creature. One real quick uh, story, a researcher figuring this out, uh, took a shrimp that was beginning to turn. You know, shrimp, you, you got to keep them cold, otherwise they'll start to rot. And this shrimp was getting pretty ripe. Well, uh, octopus, a female octopus, was looking at the researcher through the glass of its uh, aquarium. The researcher was holding the shrimp, and then he put the shrimp over the edge of the aquarium. The octopus arm came up, and the arm was absolutely riddled with sensory cells. So the octopus could tell immediately that this was not a good shrimp. And as the octopus was staring at the researcher that just gave the shrimp to her, she jammed at that shrimp down into the drain uh, of the aquarium, as if to say, pretty funny. <laughs> like, I, I, okay, how, that's, I mean, to, to think of that much intelligence, intelligence in an octopus, that's, in, that's incredible. Yeah, and this is why the some evolutionists were saying they came from outer space somewhere, some unknown alien civilization, you know, but <laughs> you, you could you could almost have one of these as a pet then you could literally have a pet octopus they're smart enough to 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 like almost wow yeah and unfortunately they only live about three years 
Okay, yeah, okay. So you'll be disappointed every three years, but until then, <laughs> you can have a great bet. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Dr. Sherwin, I want to keep going because uh, to me, these are fascinating. Every single point upholds the authority of God's word, proclaims glory to God, and says evolution not a chance. But I need to let my social media go real quick. Before I do, though, I do want to give away a copy of your book, uh, your ebook, uh, Oceans, uh, the uh, the new Oceans book, which is it's really well done because it's written on several grade levels at the same time, several age groups, I should say, at the same time, so your family can uh, can all enjoy this. Um, for my Christians Today partners on here, thank you guys for commenting. I'm, I haven't looked at your comments. I'll do that in just a second to find out what your favorite ocean animal was. Uh, but Mark, uh, Mark M, you are the winner of the Oceans book. We'll email that to you. Hey, on my Facebook and YouTube page, I need you guys to send us an email. Send us an email if you are the winner. The email goes to comments at creationtoday.org, comments at creationtoday.org. And Stephen Willits, Stephen Willits on the Facebook page, and Esther Schultz on YouTube. Esther Schultz on YouTube. You are the winner of the Oceans book. Congratulations, guys. I know you're going to enjoy this. It's a book that gives God the glory for the great oceans. Really, really uh, incredibly well done. You're going to enjoy that. Everybody else, this book is available at creationtoday.org or at icr.org, Institute for Creation Research. You can grab the book there. They're the publishers of this, the creator of it. And we're talking to the author, Dr. Frank Sherwin, right now. Hey, the whole point of this, guys, is to say God did it. He is the great creator. He is the great designer. And if you don't know him personally, that's what you're looking for in life. You're looking for a relationship with your maker, with your creator. And so we've got a free gift for you that we'd love for everybody to have. You just go to creationtoday.org slash gift, G-I-F-T, creationtoday.org slash gift. I'd love for you to hear a very simple and very plain gospel message that just shares the truth about who your creator is and why he wants a relationship with you and why you need that relationship with him. Really, really important. Uh, please go to icr.org uh, before right after this ends for you guys on social media and for my podcast and television audience. icr.org, they send out a free Acts and Facts magazine. And it's it's actually really easy to sign up for that, isn't it, Dr. Sherwin? You yeah. just go there, click that sign up button, and you put in your email address, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. of course, we won't give any uh, information to anybody else. It's It's safe with us. And uh, we'll never ask you for money either. Uh, we just ask for your prayers as we do the research that glorifies the creator and not the creation. Yeah, I'm telling you. If you're not signed up for ICR.org's uh, Acts and Facts, their articles, you need to get that. They write them every month and you will, you will be blessed beyond measure just by reading those. It's a way to be discipled on a regular basis. So please check out ICR.org. Hey, next week, going to have a great conversation. <laughs> What is true love? The world today has got, it seems, based on culture and what we see, no idea what true love is. We're going to be having uh, hosting uh, Dr. Jeff Redland and talking about true love or love, true love. We're going to be talking about that uh, this next week as we approach Valentine's Day. Look forward to seeing you there live Wednesday at noon on wherever you're watching this show right now. Hey, if you want to join the rest of this conversation, come on over to creationtoday.org, partner with us to reach the world, and let's enjoy these conversations together. I'll see you next week.